Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Hello, I realise it has been a little while (laughs) since my last podcast episode and I'm going to blame it on being ill. I lost my voice. Um, It's been very raspy. I've had to cancel (laughs) many a podcast interview. So to any potential guests that I was meant to record with this week who I've had to cancel on, I'm so sorry. Um, I've managed to get my voice to a stage that is bearable to listen to, I think. Um, So I'd like to say thank you to my next guest, who you're going to listen to in just a moment, Sophie Wood, and her patience with my raspiness. Um, But we actually did connect over raspy voices, which you will find out in the interview itself. Um, It's an interesting interview today. It's one I had a lot of fun doing and it was only once we started having the conversation that I realized how passionate I was about it and it's funny because it relates to um, the conversation that we had last podcast episode where I actually told my own story and that's what we're talking about today is telling your story Um, and, and mainly from a professional perspective from a business perspective and what that means and what that involves because I think that it can be a very blurry line for people and there's this there's also this level of unworthiness that people feel when it comes to sharing their own story that their story is not important enough or that it's been told before so Sophie Wood of Sophie Zen and I um, have a very long chat about that um, Sophie is a cheerleader and a sidekick for change-making women in business. And the work that she does is helping clients unleash their creative energy and find more direction and purpose in their online communications, which I think is something that everybody that's going into business with a personal brand could do with a little helping hand with. It's a, it's a tricky to navigate and there is a level of strategy and management to it but it's it's a there's a there's a way of mastering it organically if you will and that's what Sophie does she helps you she helps you find your voice and she helps you find that organic ease so um, I hope you enjoy today's episode even if you don't have a business the the stuff we talk about is is really helpful just when it comes to social media and um, telling your story in general I think it would be helpful even telling your story to a stranger at a party to tell you the truth and I think a lot of us struggle with that when making new friends so on that note I've babbled Um, I hope you enjoy this episode Um, I hope you get some little gems out of it like I have and um, I look forward to hearing what you think about it. Since we're talking about telling stories, why don't we start with your own story? For those of you who don't know, I'm Sophie and I work for my own business called Sophie Zen where I'm a social media strategist, manager and coach. And I work primarily with women to really help them step into their power, share their truth um, and show up in the online world in a nice, nourishing, beautiful way. 
I recently just rewrote my about page actually and it really forced me to get clear on where my story really began, kind of connect the dots. So that was really interesting. And so I tracked it back to when I was really young, which I think is the case for lots of people. Their story starts before they even know. Um, And I was in primary school and I used to really love to write and read and just the power of words and expression was really important to me. So when most kids were outside running amok, I used to sit in my room and read books and I was that dorky kid who was really good at English and wrote poems to my friends. Um, So the love for reading and writing has always been really, really strong in my life. Um, That continued on throughout high school where I just really loved English and anything to do with reading, writing words. Um, And then probably the next pivotal moment in my life I was in year 11 at school, I was 17, and I got diagnosed with the autoimmune disease called lupus. Um, So essentially what that meant for me was that I had really bad arthritis, so my immune system was attacking um, my joints, and I'd never really been a sick child, I'd never had any illnesses, so it was bizarre because I let it get to a really bad point before I'd realized how sick I was um so by the time I'd gone to the doctor the lupus was really really bad and the inflammation in my body was terrible um so year 11 was a really interesting time for me lots of doctor's appointments I got put on a lot of medication um really hectic medication as well that kind of wreaked havoc on my body um to the point where my immune system was kind of shot. So obviously an autoimmune disease means that your body's, your immune system's attacking your body. So all of the medication that you take to cure that is to kind of weaken the immune system to a certain extent. Um, So I'm in year 11 and I essentially got this terrible cold and flu and I had it for, I'm gonna say like probably two months. It's a really, really long time. Um, and like going to so like I was pretty much at the doctors every week going to lots of experts and no one could really work out what was wrong and probably the only explanation was the medication that I was on so really really sick for two months to the point where I was coughing a lot um, being really sick and then probably the pinnacle of that was I lost my voice quite badly um for quite a like at least a week or something um and during that time I had this is like probably something that will always stand out in my life had my voice going through a really rough time um and an English teacher came up to me and she was trying to communicate and I'm trying to like raspily talk back to her um And she said to me, luckily, you're such a good writer. It doesn't matter if you lose your voice. You can always communicate in words. Um, And I probably didn't realise the extent to how important that was until like a few weeks ago when I was writing my about page and I started to think about these moments and how that's kind of played out in my life and the importance that I put on expression. Mm. And so you can probably tell my voice never really came back to what it was before that. Um, Jordana, you and I were having a little bit bit of a chat before about how um, my voice is a little bit raspy and like things can make it worse. So I um, just moved to Melbourne and the cold is making it really bad. Um, So I guess these topics of expression and voice and words has always really played out in my life. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean it's 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 quite poetic, isn't it? This whole <laughs> idea of you know not having a voice because I mean you you legitimately did not have a voice, but there's so many people out there in their personal life and their professional life that feel like they just don't have a voice, that they have nothing to say. Yes, totally. And I was in that stage where that was quite 
physical and it probably reflected what was happening mentally in my life as well because I was going through a lot of things and I probably didn't have much of a voice at all physically and mentally if that makes sense yeah definitely so when you um when you finished high school and I I assume you were still suffering with lupus I mean it's not something that goes away yeah What, what what happened after that So I grew up in Coffs Harbour and when I finished high school, all I wanted to do was move away. So I moved to Queensland in the Gold Coast and went to university. Um, And funnily enough, I studied journalism and marketing, um, which ties in really well with obviously what I've been passionate about my whole life. Um, And the lupus actually got better, funnily enough. So I went into remission and there were no symptoms, but obviously my voice was still an issue um, because I don't know if I mentioned it, but so there's like scarring on my vocal cords. Mm. So that probably never go away. That's just always going to be there. Um, So I'd always love to read and write, um, but I'd never really thought of journalism as a career that I wanted to do. It was kind of the sense that I really love to read and write and journalism seemed like a really <laughs> practical degree to have. Absolutely. I went through yeah. the exact same thing. It was like the only thing they told you to do in high school if you enjoyed writing. I know, right? Yeah. It's so funny. Um, so I kind of got thrown into a journalism degree um, where people were super passionate a bit about being political journalists and being really yeah. hard hitting <laughs> and really crazy. And like when I thought of journalism, I also only ever thought of writing. Like I'd never even thought of radio journalism yeah. or TV journalism. And obviously because of my voice, I never really felt like they were options for me. So mm. straight away I felt really isolated and um everyone was just so ambitious and I was just kind of like oh I like to write um I don't really know what I want to do like people had these big ambitions and I was just kind of floating um but I also had a marketing I was doing marketing as well which was a little bit better for me it was a little bit more creative um and also more strategic and I was really enjoying marketing journalism I was kind of floating around Um, And I was constantly told that my stories were too soft, that they weren't hard-hitting enough. Um, And I just, I think my journalism degree was very masculine and very, um, I don't know how to put it, it just felt really hard to me and I didn't feel like I really belonged. Um, But despite being told that my stories were soft, I always seemed to kind of execute it quite well. Um, And I always got good marks, so I wasn't completely discouraged. I just didn't really know where I fit into that puzzle. Yeah. Um, So continued with journalism and it was good in the sense that it kind of got me out of my bubble and I was forced to go interview people. I was super introverted in university and throughout my whole life. So I definitely bursted through my comfort zone a little bit. So that was really good. Um, and just kept on going along, doing my thing, um, trying to work out what I really wanted to do. And so I think it was maybe two years into my degree and I started looking for internships and everyone was looking at boring corporate degree, corporate internships and all that kind of stuff. Um, and because I was in a business degree as well, like everyone was going for companies like Deloitte and all of like banks and all of that kind of stuff and it really really didn't interest me um and it was just something that I thought I was going to have to do eventually um so applying for internships and I was really really lucky I got this internship for a youth driven social enterprise um and a startup and they um brought me on board to do their social media marketing um and I think they were maybe four months into um, having started their business. It was all um, all interns, but we were all quite young as well. So like probably under 25, the CEO of the startup was the same age as me and she was absolutely incredible. 
Um, and the experience that I had within that organization, like I can't even put into words how incredible it was um, to like have a really hands-on experience with managing a business and especially a startup that was really like going for gold, like really wanted to make a really big change um, was just like beyond any of my expectations. Um so I had that experience from a pro- professional um, setting, but I also got this really good personal development from it and worked really closely with the CEO and she just instilled so much confidence and belief in myself. Wow, what an um, amazing experience to have so early in your career. I know. I was yeah. just so lucky and I thank my stars every day for that experience mm. and the CEO really became that mentor for me like and a catalyst for probably like a huge life change um so suddenly I started to feel like I finally had some ambition and some purpose and some direction for where I wanted to go like I really fell in love with social media And with the skills that I had in marketing and journalism, that was definitely like a good fit for me. Um, Like just fell even more in love with writing. Um, And so when that experience was over, I I started and decided to create Sophie Zen, which was my blog. So I started Sophie Zen um, at the start of last year. Um, and it was essentially created as a platform to connect, support and empower women in business. Um, but more than that, it was really like I'd been spending a lot of time writing for other businesses. So with any social media and I was doing a lot of blogging for other businesses, you take on someone else's voice, which can be quite, become quite exhausting. Um, so I was really looking forward to kind of I don't know, sinking back into my own voice and having a platform to share what I believed in and what I was really passionate about. Um, I'd been working with businesses who like I really loved and their missions were so aligned with mine, but it's still always really nice um, to have your own platform and to be able to share your own voice and message. Um, So starting Sophie Zen had such a ripple effect through my life. And things kind of just fell into place. Like the universe is amazing like that. Um, So I was in my last last year of university where I got um, a job in the magazine industry. So I was working for a local magazine, which was just like the most amazing thing that I think could ever happen because in journalism, you're told that it's really hard to get a job. And here I was in my last, my last year of my degree and I had a magazine job which I just thought was incredible and I loved it um it combined my love for writing and also my love for social media um and then before I knew it I actually had some people approach me to do their social media management um and coach them through that process so everything kind of grew really organically and I just can't believe when you finally find something that you love and that you're really passionate about how things always kind of just work out and fall into place yeah it's beautiful isn't it the universe has great synchronicity totally so a year later and I'm now full-time in my business which is really exciting location dependent so I just moved to Melbourne and was able to keep all of the clients that I had in Queensland and I'm really looking at growing my business and just loving life. <laughs> so the business itself now, as it runs, yes. what, what is the mission behind Sophie Zen? Yeah, so my blanket mission and I guess the ideal mission is to connect, support and empower women in business. And at the moment that looks at, like me, social media coaching, doing strategy and management. So it's all about allowing women to reach their highest potential. And for me, the place that I can see myself make the most change is to be allowed, is to go into people's businesses, allow them to work in their zone of genius and kind of take on anything else that they're not loving. So 
my mantra is really if you love to do your social media, then I would never want to manage it for you. Mm. Um, but if social media doesn't light you up and if there's something else that you'd really prefer to be doing, then I'm more than happy to help you with the social media side of things and communication. Yeah, that's great. So I guess a big part of social media and brand management is telling your story, especially if it's your business. But for a lot of people, that's a really hard thing to do, not because they don't want to tell their story, but because they don't know what their story is. I um, The last podcast episode that aired on the Inspired Table was actually me telling my own story. And it was a really strange experience for me because it was only as I was planning the episode did I actually write the story down. I'd, I'd never actually told it in its entirety before. And I think that um, if you were to turn the table on people and ask them to tell you their own story and give them like a 10-minute window to do so, that people would really struggle with it. So how, uh, like, what advice do you have for people when it comes to telling their story for the sake of their brand and their business? Yes, totally. And I absolutely loved your podcast episode as well. I thought it was amazing. (laughs) Um, And I had a really similar experience, like I was talking about, I really didn't connect the dots until I had to write my about page and I had to sit down and put onto paper and write those pivotal moments. And although they'd always been there in the back of my mind, I hadn't really connected the dots before. So it's always interesting to see how those things come together and moments that you don't think really connect, how they play out in your life. So some tips on sharing your story. I think it all comes down to just doing the work. So it can be so scary to sit in front of a blank page and write your story. Um, But I don't think there's any easy process to it, unfortunately. I think part of sharing your story is doing that work and kind of uncovering it yourself, if that makes sense. So... um, working it out for yourself because obviously you can't tell a story that you don't completely understand and often when we're telling our own stories um, things can seem a little bit blurry or a little bit unsure because we're so in that moment so um, I love to encourage and I think the first step to um, writing a good story is creating this mental space or even this physical space for you to come in and really work through it yourself and catch that inspiration. Um, so one of my favourite um, techniques is to uh, schedule creative writing dates. Um, so I do this every single week where I block out probably two hours of my day um, and I go, I take myself to a cafe because I love coffee and you've got to be comfortable. Um, and I take my laptop and I make sure to go to a cafe that doesn't have Wi-Fi because I get super distracted by the internet. Um, <laughs> yes, and, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I commit to writing for that period of time. Um, I find going somewhere, so leaving the house is really good. Um, and also... So I've mentioned it before, I'm super introverted. So going out by myself can sometimes be a big deal, especially sitting in a cafe or going to eat a meal. So when you take your laptop to situations like that or even a pen and paper, like your laptop is suddenly this amazing thing because it takes you away from the uncomfortableness of or uncomfort of being in an awkward situation where you're dining Mm. by yourself. And then... There's also the idea of like you have to wait for people to serve you your coffee and you have to wait for people to serve you your food. So you kind of have to wait around for that. And before you know it, you kind of are crazy writing. Um, So that's one of my main techniques for trying to write a good story. Um, I also love just doing something like self-care time or going somewhere you've never been before. I don't think blank white pages really encourage creativity um I can't write at my desk where I normally do all of my work like I have to be somewhere else um so this could be different for anyone but going out and listening to a podcast or going for coffee and having a chat with a friend are really good places to get ideas and inspiration so 
let's say you're not a writer though. Let's just say you have a business and you're a graphic designer or you're a naturopath or you have a digital strategy company. Um, How important is it to tell your story in order to sell your business to people? I think it's incredibly important if you have a personal brand Hmm. um, because obviously, so I think we live in a world that has so much content already. Like there's this idea that our generation are getting really overwhelmed by the amount of content and information we have available to us. Um, And big businesses have cottoned onto this idea of content marketing So they're really pumping out content, right? And all of that content, because it's created by big businesses, is really focused on um, kind of, you know, those life hack kind of articles or three things you need to do to this, um, like five things you're not doing in your business. So often very fear-driven content from big businesses. So I think that when you have a small business like a naturopath or you're a digital strategist, to be able to share content that is your story and is unique to you is really powerful because I don't think that sharing stories is as overwhelming as what all of this crazy information-driven content is, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, Also, if you're not a writer... Then, and if you don't enjoy writing, then you can share your content in other ways as well. Um, I am a writer, so I'm a little bit biased and I talk a lot about writing blog posts, but um, try and find a medium that really speaks to you. You can share your story in so many different ways now. Jordana, you have a podcast and that's a really great way for people who love to speak and who love to share their stories (laughs) and their voice. I do love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Um, and I don't, I don't think that if you don't love writing that you should have to write. Like mm. I do believe that there are so many options for us to share our stories and sometimes I don't enjoy writing either. Like I often, to write a blog post, I'll do it in a series of social media posts. So I find it less daunting to write um, long-form social media posts than writing a blog post. So I'll do a series of social media posts And then suddenly I'll realise that I've got enough content for a blog post. Um, If you don't do want to show up and have written content but you're not a great writer, then maybe even record yourself speaking and then um, transcribe that so it still shows up in a written form. Um, I don't know, Jordana, have you read Big Magic by Gilbert? Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's like so Bible at the moment. (laughs) So she talks lots about like being the trickster and I just align with that so much. Like I don't think sharing your story or being creative has to be hard or grueling or um, not a fun process. Like I think just have fun with it and experiment and try and work out what works for you. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I want to talk about social media a little bit later in detail, but I guess even just through social, just the way that you interact with people and the people that are following you through, um, you know, mediums like Instagram and even Snapchat, which I don't use, so I'm not an expert on, but it really is a little window into your personal story. It puts a personality to your brand and your business. And you can identify those people. So I have a client and she used to write blog posts and then she started to do videos. And I said to her the other day, I'm like, I don't want you to write another blog post ever again because you show up so much better in video and your story is so much more powerful. Mm. So I just think it really comes down to what works for you and what you're comfortable with. So, uh, look, I think a huge part of what holds people back from telling their story, and I say this from personal experience as well, is this level of unworthiness that people think they have for their their particular story to be told and how much of that particular story is necessary 
to be told. You know, like, oh, no, 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 I won't, I won't talk about my upbringing because that's really boring for people or people don't want to hear about the obstacles I had to face before I arrived here because, you know, nobody wants to be brought down. Or So what do you think, what do you say to people who are sort of feeling like perhaps their story isn't worthy enough to be told? Mm, this is such a big topic and I could talk for hours about it. And I mean, the important thing is to recognise that everyone feels like that at some stage. So even those people that you put on a pedestal and think are amazing and are amazing at sharing their story, that doesn't mean they don't also suffer from this idea of unworthiness. Um, I think we all sometimes have those feelings that we are not enough. And I've had so many conversations lately about this topic um, I was talking to a friend the other day and she was saying, oh, so many people around me, they have degrees to back them up and I feel so lonely and so unworthy because it's just me and my business, I don't have a degree. And I thought it was really funny because I said to her, well, I feel the opposite. Like I have a degree, but I feel like that's embarrassing because so many people don't need a a degree to back them up. So it was such an interesting conversation because we were both worried about not being enough, but we were the opposite, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So we all, I think like in life, we can all get caught up on what we're not, whereas there's always going to be those things that we're not. Um, So we all feel it. And the things, it's funny because I was really nervous about this interview with you, Jordana. Um, And I was feeling really unworthy. So I really, like, I love showing up in um, blogs and writing, but to be able to actually speak my truth felt really overwhelming to me and I was Mm. feeling really unworthy. So in the past few days, I've been working through these fears and these ideas myself. Um, And so probably my biggest tips for them and the things that I worked through, I think that it's all bigger than who you are and what you are. So I I come back to this idea that we're vessels for our stories and for our lessons. So I think we put ourselves on pedestals and we live in a really individualistic society as well where we really put so much pressure on individuals, Um, but to take that out of it. So just, you know, tread a little bit more lightly, like have a little bit more fun. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just say, I'm here to share my story and whatever that sounds like, that's just what it's going to be. Yeah, and it's, um, it's, your, it's your story. So there's no other story like it because I think part of the unworthiness is what makes me so special. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. And also I love this quote from Gabby Bernstein and it's be moved by your message and your message will move others. Mm. So things are so much bigger than like connect to your why, connect to your purpose, and that will kind of move you through the fear. If you set that intention of what you want to do, then it's not really about the story. It's not really about you. It's that bigger, higher force that's pushing you along or pulling you along. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me, you know, I've got a yoga teacher who always says, drop the story. Like we all get so caught up in our own story that it rules our decision making and our lives and sometimes it's easier just to drop the story which is a really interesting angle on what we're talking about now because as important as it is to be telling your story I think there's a lot of people that live based on their story and usually their past story and feel like they don't really have the opportunity to make Uh, redirection or sort of have that kind of rebrand of themselves yeah this is such an interesting topic um I think it's about like dropping that connection that really emotional connection that you have to your story and just letting it be what it is Mm. um because the thing is people aren't thinking about you as much as what you think they are. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's heartbreaking. I know. I know. <laughs> like I was thinking of it. So people might be listening to this and 
I'm speaking, so I might think that this is about me. But when people are listening to me speak, they're actually kind of thinking about themselves to a certain extent. So they're finding parallels in their own life. Mm. And it's more really about them than what it is about me. Like the same when you get up to speak in front of a crowd. Like people aren't thinking that intently about you, I hate to say it, but they're thinking about their own things and that doesn't mean your story doesn't matter. I think it means that your story matters more, like it's just less about you and there's less pressure about you, more pressure on the story. Yes, that's such a good way of looking at it, absolutely. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Yay moment. Um, (laughs) But I guess, and I've had this conversation actually, it was one of the very first podcast episodes I ever did with um, Zoe Weldon of Seek a Lover Dreamer about social media specifically. Yeah. And this idea um, that there's a bit of a fine line, you know, when it comes to sharing our story where we can overshare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, like, totally. you want to tell the whole story. You don't want to miss pivotal things out, but you also you also don't want to share unnecessary stuff. So I guess especially when it comes to business, you, you want to put the personal in your personality, but you don't want to overshare. Yeah, fine line. Yeah, fine line. So do you have any advice on that? I think that my only real advice for trying not to overshare is to get really clear on your intention for sharing a story. Um, So what I do when I'm essentially writing anything is to set my intention before I begin to write, write my story, and then check back later to make sure that that story's, um, like, that story has that intention, if that makes sense. Because when you're clear on your intention, then it means you're not so much telling a story for the sake of telling it. Um, Often we want to tell stories because we're emotionally connected to it. Like there's can sometimes be ulterior motives for why you're sharing a story. So um, my advice is to, you want to tell stories from a place of service. So you want to make sure that that story's has a bigger meaning, has a bigger lesson, has a bigger insight. So when you set that intention at the start, you can always check back on it and make sure that you're not coming from another place. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, so what about let's let's talk about social media because it is a, a big part of what you do, um, yeah. and I love it. Um, But when it comes to telling stories, let's talk about it from a professional standpoint, because I think that there's, you know, it's a whole other, it's a whole other topic of conversation when you're talking about your personal accounts. But when it comes to a professional standpoint with social media accounts, what do you think that etiquette is when it comes to sharing parts of yourself? Um, My first piece of advice would be to get really clear on your business or brand values. Um, So it's funny how many people I coach and they come to me and when I ask them what their values are, they're not sure. Mm. Um, Because when you get clear on your brand values, then you can kind of use them as a filter for what you're sharing in your life. Um, I've gone through a similar process. So even with my own accounts, like I can be really good at coaching brands through this, but when it comes to myself, I can even struggle. Mm. So I got to this point where I'm like, am I just sharing my personal life for the sake of sharing my personal life? Like what does this really say or add to my brand? So to like work my way through that, I got really clear on my values. And now every time I post to social media, I kind of, it's like a checklist. I tick them off and I'm like, does this say something about my brand values? Is this worth saying? Um, Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's really hard. I know for myself, I don't, I don't schedule posts. I don't plan posts. I don't have an editorial or social media schedule that I stick to. I kind of just do it off the cuff, which is probably not the right way to do it because you do miss that think before you post moment 
when it comes to how am I being represented? What are my values here? Is this my message? Am I being of service? So, I mean, do you, when you are coaching clients, do you encourage that they try and have some sort of plan? This is a tricky question because I encourage my clients to do it, but at the same time, I don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't really know how to answer this. Um, So like, I'll go through the pros and cons of scheduling posts and like creating a plan. I think there should be always a blanket plan. So some sort of strategy. So you're not just um, posting on a whim. Like when I say I don't schedule posts, I don't mean that I don't have a social media strategy. Um, Scheduling posts are really good to be able to check in with your values to make sure everything's aligned. Um, what else to save you time, to save you stress. Mm. But at the same time, for my own business, I don't like to schedule posts because I feel like it loses that spontaneity, um, like that passion. So often when I post on a whim, my posts are kind of more inspirational for some reason because it's been sparked by a moment. Um, often on Facebook where I'm just sharing writing, like that will just be sparked by a moment and like, I can't hold back. I need to post on a whim. Um, what else? Yeah. So I think that there's pros and cons to scheduling posts and it just depends on what works for you. Yeah. And I guess, you know, there's gotta be some, well, maybe not for everybody. For me, I feel like it needs to evolve organically a little bit because I feel like if it's too structured and there's too much planning, I'm not being very authentic. Oh, <laughs> you know, sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. Um, um, and it, it, it pulls away from, it pulls away from my brand in particular. I think if it's, if there's too much overthinking, but I guess in certain, in certain cases and with certain brands, it's very important to have that sort of um, professional forethought maybe? Yeah, totally. And anything like going through a launch, you totally need a plan because Mm. that's very strategic. Um, The other thing with scheduling posts, like if I sit down and write, spend an hour writing social media posts, I lose that passion behind it. Like it's not that exciting to me and things can seem dry. And if things seem dry to me, then I can't imagine what people feel like when they're looking at that. So that's Mm. also another reason why I like to kind of post as I go along. Um, With that said, like I do have, like I do post daily, I do post consistently. So I make sure that the consistency is there. I just don't pre-plan the content that I'm going to post unless it's something strategic like the launch of a program, an opt-in, even blog posts. Do you encourage clients, and it's obviously a personal thing based on who they are and what they do. Yeah. But do you encourage them to have separate accounts, personal and business? Yes. Are we talking Instagram or just both? Because obviously Facebook, you need a personal and a page, like a public page. Yes, I guess. I Well, yeah, I mean, look, here's another topic of conversation. I've noticed lately, and I totally get why, but a lot of people are putting their business and brand stuff through their profile pages not through their business pages because they get a better reach obviously yes but I find that very frustrating as their friends because I don't want to see all that stuff (laughs) yes totally so um when I was first starting out I used to put a lot of stuff through my public page and it's funny because I actually got clients that way Funnily enough. Yeah, which makes sense. It makes sense because, you know, friends are friends and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then so I got to the point where I built my business up a little bit more and I started just to post to my public page. Um, And then I was having a really interesting conversation with a friend who essentially uses her personal profile as her business page. Mm. So she shares a lot of things on there. Um, and has had a lot of success with that. So after that conversation, I'm like kind of on the fence. So sometimes yeah, look, I'm I'll on the fence it. too. I've I've found myself because 
Uh, and it could be a whole podcast episode in itself. But because Facebook business pages have such a low organic reach now, mm-hmm. if you really want to get your message out there and if you really want to, like whenever I'm having um, one of the Inspired Lunar Nights events or I need someone to, you know, fill out some sort of survey for me for work or something like that, I just put it on my public page because I know that I'm going to get engagement. Yeah where I just am not getting that on my business page anymore. So yeah. I, get, I get why people are doing it. I do. I understand it. But there's a fine line because for me, I don't want to have strangers who I don't know who might be interested in the Inspired Table becoming my friend on Facebook because I think that's a really blurry line. Yeah, so that's like a whole nother conversation and I'm going to put a spanner in the works and say there's also another option. So the growth, (laughs) I know, um, the growth of Facebook groups um, are kind of, I think, is like kind of that medium between a personal profile and a public profile and it kind of breaks through that algorithm idea and then, so with Facebook groups, you are getting this. Um, some people don't want to have um, people on their personal profile that aren't their friends. And then it's like, well, where do we blur the line? So everything's just super blurry on Facebook at the moment <laughs> to sum it up. Um, but just last night, I saw a conversation. Someone's like considering deleting their facebook page and just having that facebook group as an option Mm. um look i really like the facebook group i think it's great i think you're engaging with the people you want to engage with the only issue with it and maybe pull me up if i'm not right but is that it's a private group right so other people can't engage in it unless they're invited by somebody in the group or you invite them personally is that right Um, or like, so say if you had a link to your Facebook group on your website, people can, um, Ah. request to join. Okay. Um, Yes. Yeah. So I don't think that's too much of an issue if you promote it enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, and obviously you have different levels of Facebook groups as well. So you have those private ones and then you have closed ones and then there's secret ones and there's just always met so many types yeah um but yeah if you want your facebook group to obviously become a community and kind of be able to reach out to people that you can't via your facebook page then i believe it's quite easy to promote it and just open it up to people when they request yeah wow that's a really great idea i'm gonna look into that this afternoon um (laughs) (laughs) okay let's talk about instagram because that's my favorite social media platform yes Um, i love instagram yeah what is that your favorite what's your favorite um, it's just become my favorite. So yeah, cool. I was like a diehard Facebook fan. I was like, I'm never leaving you. I love you. <laughs> um, and now Instagram has taken over. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think of Insta stories? Um, I'm a huge fan. Mm. <laughs> um, so like, I think you can't have this conversation without bringing up Snapchat. Okay. Um, so I had tried to use Snapchat. And I found it very difficult to use. So um, it was really hard to add people as friends. And same way, it was really hard to kind of build your community on there. It wasn't very intuitive at all. Um, And I found it, I just didn't really like being on the app, just in general. Like that's a really blanket term, but I just didn't find it enjoyable. Um, And I wasn't like... I don't feel like I was also connecting with the people that I wanted to connect with on Snapchat. So then Instagram stories have come into the mix and I love it because you only have to be on the one platform and you get both sides of the story. Yeah. Um, Also, like there was always arguments about Instagram becoming really curated and like a lot lot more people posting um, regrams and this idea that like that's not real life, that's all curated. So I think Instagram stories is a really good way around this because you get both best of both worlds again. So you've got um, your curated 
your curated Instagram feed, which looks amazing, but then you can also share the real life behind the scenes stuff in your story. Um, And then last of all, I just think it's a lot more easier to connect with people, add them, see people's stories. Um, And the people that I have on my Instagram, I already know are connected to my mission and my values to some certain extent. So I know that they're probably interested in seeing content from me. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that you can engage in Insta stories if you want to, or you can just keep doing Instagram how you've always done it. Yeah. So have you used it, Jordan? Yeah, I've been using it a little bit, but I've been having a little bit of stage fright because I don't like the idea that you can't, well, I know you can see it before you post it, but I, that you can't, I I don't, I don't know. It all seems a little bit live for me right now. So I'm having having a bit of stage fright with it, but I'm slowly kind of um, feeling my way. So had you used Snapchat or you hadn't even? I used Snapchat like way back in the day before I had a business and I didn't like it. I cancelled it because I just, I found, I don't know, I found it really boring. I found, you know, friends were posting stuff that I was just like, oh, I'm really not interested in this and I have to watch it and then it disappears and... I don't know, I didn't really get it. And so when it kind of started to become a thing again and people were using it for their business, I looked at going back on, but I don't know. I I spend so much time on the computer and on social media as it is. I didn't want another platform to lose myself in. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't really see value in it. Like you said, like you have to go and find followers. You know, they can't just find you unless they know your handle. And I don't know, it just didn't feel, it didn't feel right for me. But I get why it was right for certain people. Yeah, and I think that it's tending to look like the people who hadn't used Snapchat are totally loving Instagram stories Mm. or the people who hadn't had much success with it kind of like me I'm loving Instagram stories but then you still have those diehard Snapchat fans who've obviously built their tribe on there and are seeing returns on that yeah yeah um and we were talking before about the fact that Instagram has changed a little bit and it feels a lot more curated than it used to and also I guess that algorithm came in have you noticed big changes since that I haven't and I kind of, I still love Instagram like I don't think the changes are really that big or make too much of an impact so I love I actually really love that Instagram's becoming curated because I feel like you're getting feeds that are a mood board for someone's brand. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know when you hop onto a feed and you kind of just get this feel and this emotion and you can immediately tell what someone's brand is about just by looking at their feed. So previously to that, it had kind of been a little bit disjointed and people didn't really know what they were posting and there was lots of personal pictures. So I'm quite a fan of the curated um, feeds. And then in terms of the... um, the algorithm and it not being chronological, I haven't seen much of an impact with that. I still kind of, if I have a good scroll, I can still see everything that I want to see. And I believe that if someone really loves your Instagram account, they're probably going to stalk you anyway and just look at your feed through there. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. I have noticed a slight difference in engagement since that algorithm came in though. I've noticed... even though my numbers have gone up, so I've got more followers, mm-hmm. the engagement per post hasn't shifted. Has this been since Instagram stories has come in too? Because I think Instagram stories might have an impact on that. I think it's seeing a lot of people hang out the top of their app and watching the videos as opposed to then scrolling downward and looking through the content. Um, Interesting. But I think that will wear off eventually. Like Instagram stories is really new. It's only been around, what, a week? week? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I wouldn't panic yet. Um, okay I'll stop panicking no it was it was actually before insta stories I noticed that actually if anything and I know it's only been a week I feel like engagement maybe has gone up since insta stories has started maybe because people are watching your story 
I mean, maybe they're watching your story and are interested in your story and are seeing more of your personality and are, in, are interacting a little bit more. I think it's also individual because what I've noticed since um, Instagram stories is that my page followers have increased, but they're also more legitimate followers. So I used to get a lot of spammers and people who would follow me and then unfollow. But since Instagram stories, I've just seen a really good organic growth from people who would actually be interested in my brand. So I think it's just all individual, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Do you tweet? Are you on Twitter? No, I don't. Um, Twitter is good for journalists, um, news producers. Do you use it for your podcast? No, I um, I probably should use it for the podcast. I've only just reconnected it to Instagram. It wasn't connecting there. Um, but it's funny for me, like the only way I'll use Twitter is if it comes through Instagram and sometimes the most random post, it must be hashtag related, will get all these retweets and likes and, you know, all this other stuff. But no, I never go on to Twitter. I never engage in it. Yeah. So from what I've heard, Twitter can be really good for podcasts and obviously I don't have a podcast so I haven't tested it out but it would be interesting because I think like it allows you to share your content like content doesn't stay up for as long as what it does in Facebook and Instagram if that makes sense so the lifetime of it's kind of a lot shorter so you can kind of um share more content and share the same content more times and you can reach different audiences if that makes sense Mm. Um, so Twitter's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I've never really understood it. I mean, because it does move so fast, like you have to be on it at the time that a tweet is tweeted in order to see it really, because they just disappear so fast. And I've also heard like, you kind of have to post something like 18 times a day to have some sort of like influence or impact. Um, and then... I also was listening to, on TV, they were talking about spammers on Twitter are really, really bad. Um, And a lot of people are getting a lot of bad feedback, like a lot of public profiles. um, And they just, it's kind of getting out of control. They're not knowing how to deal with it. So Twitter's not really on that list for me at the moment. Um, But I can definitely see bonuses for it um, if you're a journalist or if you have a podcast and if you want to post 18 times a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not me, most definitely. Um, are there any other social platforms that people aren't talking about that they should be? Oh, interesting question. Um, in my industry, so work with, it's like a lot of creative online um, clients. I think Facebook and Instagram are really where it's at at the moment. Yeah. Um, especially now that Instagram has stories. Like I probably would have said like if we had this conversation two weeks ago that Snapchat was getting up there. But um, Facebook, Instagram kind of have it all and I totally encourage people just to kind of stick to one or two platforms um, because otherwise it just gets too overwhelming. Yes, it does. For you know, you, You mean from a business perspective, like trying to juggle it all? Yeah, totally. Mm. There's also, like, there's been lots of interesting conversations about Google+. Plus, oh, yes. And if you um, Google it, ironically, <laughs> um, it will say that, like, people are using it like crazy, um, that it's doing really well. But from what I can tell, it's not doing well at all. Like, I felt <laughs> no, like, no impact from it. And I think it's just like the numbers look good because when you have a Gmail account, it automatically sets you up a Google Plus profile. So like people are saying so many people are on Google Plus, but it's kind of just dormant site, like dormant profile. I agree with you. I remember going to a conference, oh God, it must've been about three years ago when I was working for another company. Um, and they were talking about Google Plus too. And Google Plus is the next platform. Everybody has to be on it. It's going to be the next Facebook. It's going to be huge. And like three years down the track, it really is not. 
Yeah, never seen any like or even heard a story about a no. business that's had a lot of in- no, me on Google Plus. Um, LinkedIn is like a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, interesting if you're in like a professional environment or mm. if you have a small business that other small businesses would like to be involved in. So okay. as a social media manager, I could probably utilize it a little bit more because yes. obviously a lot of other professionals are on there, people who own businesses. Um, I think that it's going a little bit downhill, like people are posting too much and it's becoming a little bit too overwhelming for people. Probably a year, a year and a half ago, it would have been really great for your business. Less so now, just because people are starting to cotton on to how valuable it can be, but it's just all becoming a bit overwhelming and people are pumping out too much content. Yes. And that, that's the other thing that gets my goat on social media is when there's so much content coming out of the one brand it just doesn't feel right to me as a consumer or as a follower it's just overwhelming Mm. like and this comes back really nicely to this idea about sharing stories um like I'm just tired of reading articles that are telling me what's wrong with my business or what I'm not doing. Yeah. Um, Pinterest for me is that as well. We're covering all the social media platforms. <laughs> um, so many like posts about how to build my brand and how to blog for six weeks and then become famous. And I'm just like tired of it. Like I don't care. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm just so overwhelmed and it just, it actually makes me feel a little bit ill saying all of that. Um, so that's why I just think sharing your story is so important. People initially connect to it. They find their own insights and their lessons from it. And it's just not so overwhelming and yucky. Yeah. I could talk all day about this. I actually have one more thing I want to talk to you about. We've been talking for so long. I know. I know. (laughs) But I think it's kind of important and it's been a bit of a thing for me lately and I did speak about it in the last podcast episode. But it's this idea of, especially in, um, I hate this word as well, but entrepreneurs, (laughs) um, this idea of having to sell your profile and having to be the face of something in order to have a successful business. Um, I know when I started, you know, I mean, I had a lot of different skill sets behind me, but one of them was health coach and I was going to be a health coach and I was going to be a blogger and I was going to be the next foodie and I needed to be the face and people needed to come and see me. And, you know, it was all about me, 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 me. And it never felt right to me. But from what I could see that everyone else was doing, it felt like it was the only way to have a business like that. And I guess what I wanted to make clear, and maybe you can help me get this message across, is that to be the face of something and to sell your brand and can be very different to, oh, how am I, how do I want to say this? Like to tell your story is one thing and to put your face to your business is another thing, but you don't have to necessarily be constantly pimping yourself out in order to be successful in business. Yes. Yeah. So interesting. And I can definitely, like I can relate to this idea that probably for the past two years, um, there's been a really big push on personal brands. Is this Mm. kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, I've seen all sides of the coin. So people who create personal brands and then realize that they don't want to be the face of their business and that they don't always want to be involved in the business, that they want to hire people to help them through that and that them being the face of their business doesn't really serve their purpose. So then they then transition into becoming more of a business, so removing their personal side from that. Mm. Um, And then I've seen the opposite, like people show up as a business and then realise that they really want the personal side to it. I think it all comes back to what you're trying to achieve in your business, like getting really clear on those goals and then seeing what aligns with that. Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, it does. And I realise now that the question wasn't really a question. It was a little (laughs) bit higgledy-piggledy. But, yeah, I guess 
I guess what I'm yeah it does it definitely does answer the question I think it's it's one of those funny things for me I I started off with the business wanting to be the face of it and I still obviously want to be the face of my business but for me the business is more about the service that I provide and I would like to put the time and the effort into providing that service and being of service to people than the amount of time and effort it takes to constantly be out there networking and having um you know events that showcase me and it's all about me and writing blog posts about me and sharing myself on social media you know what I mean yeah totally and the thing is there has been that push to being what you were just saying like a personal brand and everything's about you and you run all these workshops and Mm. it's fine to be still be the face of your brand but put all that focus into your service and yeah um like I still think there's so much opportunity for that as well like I think it's because a lot of people are wanting to make their money as an expert in their field if that makes sense so for me that's kind of what I'm working towards so I do want to be running workshops and coaching and having kind of like this public profile but for some people they don't want to do that And that's totally okay. It's just getting clear on what you're after and where you see your business in five or ten years. Yeah, and I think there's there's definitely a difference between being a public profile and being a pseudo-celebrity. Yeah. Because I feel like definitely in the, um, you know, health and wellness sphere and the creative field sphere that there are some pseudo-celebrities coming out of it and there is this idea that if you want to be successful you need to reach that status but then there's this whole kind of like baseline just below them that are still you know on their six-figure salaries and still have thriving businesses but they they're not necessarily you know publishing books and doing tours and you know all of that yeah it's so interesting and I guess it's exciting because we have all of those opportunities available to us as well and we just get to choose what we want and what our ambitions and our purpose are so it's really exciting that we have all of those levels I just don't agree with all this pushing to say this is what your business should look like you need to be a public profile yeah yeah agreed Agreed. Thank you. No worries. Um, Okay. So if people want to find out more about you and what you do, um, where can they find you? Yes. So probably the best place to start would be my website, which is sophiezen.com. And then you can find me on Facebook at sophiezen, just search it in the bar. And then I'm sophiezenblog on Instagram beautiful all right well thank you so much for chatting to me today that was amazing and I honestly could have kept chatting I actually have so many more questions maybe we'll have to do a follow-up interview one day oh yes please I had so much fun thanks Jordana oh you're so welcome um enjoy the rest of your afternoon you too Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 